Welcome to Promised Land at Home Podcast, where we bring people into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and each other. Wherever life has you, we pray that today's sermon both challenges and encourages you. We're so glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy the message. We are going to jump in into week three of our sermon series uh, called Fear Not, Fear Not. And this sermon series just takes a couple snapshots of different stories in the Bible that um, look at moments when an angel of the Lord appears to different Bible characters and the angel tells him, hey, fear not, don't be afraid, everything's going to be okay. This is week three. This is the third and final week. And so I don't want to waste any time. I want to jump right in. Um, I'm going to tell you that we are going to talk about some things this morning, confront some things this morning. I'm full of energy this morning. Um, I feel like I just have a word on my heart and I just got to get it out. I want to speak right into some of your lives. I want to challenge you a little bit. And ultimately, I want you to kind of reflect this morning. Um, Let me read the scripture, and then we'll get into it. It's in Luke 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. You can put them up there. This is what it says. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel of the Lord said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born, in, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothing, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and all. On earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Today, I want to preach to you week three of Fear Not. And if I had to give it a title, um, I'm going to steal a title. And we're going to call it Fear is Not My Future. Fear is Not My Future. Let me pray for you really quick. Let me pray for myself. And let's jump into it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we know that the flower fades, the grass withers, God, but your word stands forever. We choose to put all of our attention and focus on you. We pray that you would speak to us this morning and that we would walk out of here knowing more about Jesus than we walked in. In Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. Last week, I was so challenged and encouraged by Pastor Robin's message with him talking about, um, with him talking about fear not. And he taught us some things. And he was saying that fear is an emotion, okay? Fear is an emotion. Fear is something that you have that is not necessarily bad. All of us will have fear or have had fear at some point in our life. And fear can be there and it can be helpful. Sometimes fear is there and it tells us, hey, be cautious of this or, you know, put your dog ears up, right? Like listen closely or stay away from that person or don't go to that place or whatever. There's these feelings of discernment that we have that can, that can actually help and come from fear. Now, when fear becomes a problem is when fear begins to co- dominate or control your life. When you start making decisions based on your fear, when you start pulling away from who you are as a person or change your character because fear has a hold on you, when you find yourself maybe separating or segregating, um, and there's all kinds of fears that we have, 
There's all kinds of fears. And so today, it's going to be really tough for me to cover every single fear that is present in this room because I don't know each and every one of you. And even if I do know you, I don't necessarily know what fears you have. So before we go any further, it's going to be a request of mine that I ask you that you would take a moment to be honest with yourself. And throughout the rest of this message that we have this morning, when we refer to the word fear, you change that for something that is actually present in your life that is taking the place of fear. What I mean by that is for some of us, our fear is fear of tomorrow. What's tomorrow going to bring? It's so uncertain. Maybe for some of us, we have a fear of finances, fears in our family, fears that you're going to be figured out, that you'll be exposed, fears of rejection. You're, You're fearful to open up because what if you get hurt again? You're fearful to trust. So many different fears that we can have, you know, and and it's up to you to decide in this moment if moving forward, you're going to choose to be honest with yourself about what those fears are. The good news is that I hope this morning we could take a step closer into changing our perspective on how we see and interact with those fears. So Pastor Robin says, hey, it's okay to have fear. But what it's not okay is when fear starts to control your life. It really shifted my perspective on how I read this scripture. Because what the Bible says is that there's these shepherds in the nighttime and they are just tending to their sheep, their flock. And it says an angel of the Lord appears to them. And the angel of the Lord recognizes, hey, these people are afraid. There's fear. Now I want you to take notice that nowhere in scripture does the angel condemn them for having fear, rebuke them, correct them. Nothing. He doesn't doesn't have any of that posture. And I think it's a sign to say that God recognizes that us as humans, we will be faced with fear and we will have fear throughout our life. But what he does make a point to say, what the angel does make a point to say in this moment is fear not. In other words, I know that naturally you are feeling fear about the thing that you are facing right now, but I need you to know on behalf of God, this thing should not have the effect of fear on your life. How often are you hearing fear not? You know, it's hard sometimes, for being honest with ourselves, to understand that the very situation that you're going through, the thing that you filled in the blank with, you should not be afraid of. Because fear has a funny way of, of distorting sometimes our vision or distorting our ability to hear God. And so in moments where God is saying, don't be afraid, we're so full of fear that we start thinking, this is just how it's always going to be. This is now my life. My hope today is that we would be able together to walk through a journey and understand that we don't have to interact with fear the same way. But I understand that it's a lot easier said than done. If it was that easy, I would walk up on this stage while the band was still playing. I would say, hey, everybody, welcome to week three of Fear Not. Don't have fear anymore. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week. Unfortunately, that's not how life works. We're humans. We, we react and respond to fear in different ways. You know, uh, psychologists say that when faced with street, uh, fear or stress, there's typically two ways that most or all people respond. There's actually a neurological 
you know, science that says these are the two ways that people are designed to interact with fear. It's called fight or flight. There are a group of people who have actual brain pathways and you're designed that when faced with high stress or fear, you're a fighter. You strap up your bootstraps, you, you put the UFC gloves on and you're like, let's go, let's take it on. I'm ready to take on whatever's coming at me and I'm going to fight my battles and I'm going to do this on my own will and I'm going to protect what I have to protect or do what I have to do. I don't care how immoral it is or how crazy it is or how it's going to make me seem I'm a fighter. The other side of that, flyers. You strap up your bootstraps as well, but it's so that you can run as fast as you can in the opposite direction. I don't want no part of this. Both of them are self-preservation tactics. We just, based on our upbringing and different things that we've experienced in our life, we lean one way or the other. Can I tell you this morning, though, neither of those are really what God has intended for you. I mean, if you're a fighter, that's great that you're a fighter. Keep fighting, kind of. Because are you aware that God tells us in his word that he will fight our battles for us? And if you're the type of person that you go from situation to situation and fear to fear, trying to fight yourself out of it, it's only going to last so long. You were not designed to do life alone, fighting every battle that comes your way. Quick story about uh, there's a prophet, and the prophet is sending a word of the Lord, and, and, his, and his enemies don't really like the word that he's putting out. And, and he has his assistant, he's sitting in a home, and he tells his assistant, you know, hey, go look outside. And the assistant comes back, and, and he's shivering, and, and the prophet says, what's wrong? He goes, the armies of the enemy are surrounding our entire home. They're surrounding our entire home. And the prophet says, I wish that the scales would just be pulled off your eyes. And he says, go back outside and look again. And it says that the servant went out there and that the servant saw the army of the enemy surrounding the whole house. But right behind them, he saw the army of the Lord surrounding the army of his enemies. And the prophet taught him a point that day that this is how we fight our battle. Some of you might have heard that song that says, it may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you. I pray this morning that if you feel like your fear is surrounding you, that the scales would be removed off your eyes and that you would realize that you don't have to fight on your own any longer, but the army of the Lord is surrounding the thing that you feel like is surrounding you. Now, if you're a flighter, if you're a, if you're a person that's like, I gotta get out of here, I gotta go, can I tell you that the Bible says that you should be as bold as a lion? That we're not to live our life in fear that God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It says that there is no weapon that is formed against me that shall prosper. I think we have a lot of people living in fear, trying to market it as false humility. And God hasn't called you to live like that either. God says to stand firm in your faith. But both of those things, what they have in common is that at the root of them is that you would trust God. You know, at the heart of having fear is the absence of a trust for God. I'm not a clinical psychologist. I'm not even an unclinical psychologist, if that's a thing. <laughs> I'm no type of ologist. <laughs> uh, but I've read a lot. 
And I've, I've met with a lot of people. So this isn't, this isn't scientific fact. This is just perspective from one of your pastors here at Promised Land. But I feel like we can almost insert a third type of person. You have your fighter. You have your flyer. And I think just dealing and, and talking with people and, and hearing the state of some people, it's not just only fight or flight. I want to inject the third one. And I think there's a group of people that just fall. Fight, flight, and fall. And I think the people who would fall are the people that have just been so rooted with fear or stress or an unsurmountable circumstance that they say, I don't have it in me to stand up and fight. I don't have that bravery. But I don't even have the strength at this point to get up and run. And all I can feel like I can do right now is fall. And so we fall to the opinions of others. And we fall to finances. And we fall to family issues. And we fall to anxiety. And we fall to depression. And we fall from taking a step of faith. And we fall when God's calling us to take another step. And we fall because, because we've been fighting our whole lives. And running our whole lives. Can I tell you one thing about whether you fight or you fly, both of those get very exhausting. And eventually we fall. And I want to give you a little bit of truth this morning to encourage you that you can change the way that you interact with fear, that you can stop running from your fears and stop fighting all your fears and stop falling from the things that are on you. And you can look at the life that God has given you and see it with a fresh perspective. I want to I refer to a story in the book of Numbers, um, chapter 21, and, and I just want to see if I can explain this whole fear thing to you in a little bit of a different way. Are you all still with me? Book of Numbers, chapter 21, verse 6. It says, so the, so the Lord sent... Okay, I'm going to have to set this up a little bit because if I just read this like this, you'd be like, what the heck is going on? Okay, so there's a story in the Bible of Moses. You know, the guy, he sees a burning bush. God, through the burning bush, talks to Moses and is like, hey, I want you to free my people, right? He's like, God, I don't know if I can do that. I don't really talk right. He's like, I don't really spoke right. He's like, that's okay. I'm going to help you out, Moses, Okay. He's like, go, take Aaron with you and tell Pharaoh to let your people go, right? I don't know if you've heard this, maybe in kids' church, and he's like, let my people go, right? You know that story? It's Moses. So eventually Pharaoh lets him go, lets all the people go, and they're walking through the wilderness, and they're walking and walking. The Bible says for 40 years they're walking in the desert. And they start getting so tired of being in the desert that the people actually tell Moses, what are you doing? We would rather be slaves than just be wandering through the desert. Because at least as slaves, we knew where our next meal was going to come from, when we were going to sleep, someone was taking care of us in a certain type of way. Here, we're just wanderers. We don't even know what we're going to eat. And it says the people got so uneasy that they turned their back on Moses. They turned their back on God. They started finding false idols. They started condemning God. And this is where it lands us in Numbers 21. It says, so the Lord sent poisonous snakes among those people. And those snakes bit the people, and many people of Israel died. Then the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he would take away the snakes from us. So Moses prayed. Let me translate that for you before we go on to the next part of it. 
The Lord sent poisonous snakes. The snakes were biting people and people were dying. So the people that were dying and the people all around were saying, yo, Moses, I don't know what's going on, but we are scared of these poisonous snakes. They're literally biting people and people are literally dying. I had a cup of Joe with Joe yesterday, this morning, boop, snake. Joe's not with us anymore. This is not okay. They're freaking out. They're fearful because they don't know if they're going to turn a corner into a big pile of snakes, get bit, and life is over. Snakes were the very thing that they had become afraid of. What are your snakes this morning is my question. What is that thing, can I be honest with you, maybe even because of your own doing that has become a snake in your life? That you feel like at any moment it could bite, attack, or come to the surface. And now your life, your plans, your comfortability, your well-being is in jeopardy. Look at how God responds to Moses. Let's go to the next verse. So this is what the Lord says back to Moses after Moses prayed. Make a poisonous snake and set it on a pole. When anyone is bitten, look, when anyone bitten looks at it, he will live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. So that if a snake had bitten someone, when he looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Are y'all as confused as I was when I first heard this? Seems to not make much sense. Now, luckily, I'm not God. But if I was God in this moment and I wanted to save my people of poisonous killer snakes and they said, God, please take away the snakes, I think that I would say, okay, away with the snakes. If I'm the one that brought them, obviously I have the power to take them away. It's not what God does here. God says, take the very thing that they're afraid of and put it up on a stick. And if they can find it in themselves to take a step of faith, to face the very thing that they're afraid of, then the thing that they're afraid of will no longer have an effect on their life. I don't know if you're tracking with me this morning. Let me, let me say it to, to some of you intellectuals this way. In, in psychology, there's this thing called exposure therapy. Maybe some of you have heard of it or been through it or maybe you do it as a psychologist, I don't know. But exposure therapy, what it says is, is that when someone has a fear of someone, of something, Right? I learned this term. Someone came up to me at the last service. It's like sinophobia or something, a fear of dogs. Right? I'm terrified of dogs. I'm not, but let's say someone's saying that. What exposure therapy is, is like you go on for session one, and you're on this big football field, and 100 yards away, there's a dog over there. And you can see the dog, but you're not interacting with it, and it's not really interacting with you, but this is as close as you can get as you feel comfortable. And each session, you get a little bit closer. Then it's at the 50-yard line. And then the next time you come in, you're in the same room, and it's a 12 by 10 room. And then you get kind of side by side, but you don't interact with it. And you eventually build up all the way until the, the point where you can pet a dog and interact with a dog. And, and they think that you, by you being exposed to your fear, you can overcome your fear. But what scientists have said is that what happens in, in exposure therapy, the fear doesn't go away in the person. Actually, what happens is the person becomes more brave. The person begins to realize what's actually in them, the capability to interact with this thing that I was fearful of and recognize that that thing cannot have an effect on me the way I thought it would. 
And is it interesting that in this story, as God is doing his version of exposure therapy, that God doesn't take away all the snakes from this story? I think it's because God has an understanding that that fear or the opportunity of fear is always going to be present in your life. But what he tells the Israelites is that if you can face your fear, if you can take the step closer to the thing that you feel is keeping you bound by fear, then that very thing will no longer have an effect on you. He actually says, even if the snake has already bitten you, the poison will have no effect. But how often do we live in the opposite? Not willing to take that step. You know, whenever I first got married, I hadn't been to the doctor in like forever, like years. And my wife was always like, you need to go to the doctor, you need to go to the doctor. We literally like had fights about me not wanting to go to the doctor. And the reason I didn't want to go to the doctor is not because I felt like I was super healthy. <laughs> it was actually the opposite. It's because I knew I wasn't. But if I didn't go to the doctor, the doctor could never confirm what I was afraid that he would be able to tell me. So I really didn't have to deal with it. I don't know what that thing is for you, but there's a lot of people in here avoiding your doctor's appointments. So you don't have to deal with that real fear that's inside of you. But can I tell you that even when I went, for the first time, I finally went to the doctor and I knew it was going to be bad and I was so nervous. And I got news that I didn't want to get and it wasn't fun and it wasn't exciting and, and he didn't give me the cool sticker that I got when I was a kid. Quite the opposite. I was like, can I get that lollipop, doc? He's like, yeah, if you want to die. Okay, like you can't have lollipops. Okay. But it was a first step that I needed to take. Because now the fear that I had then has no control over my life today. And I don't know what that fear is for you. And that's what I asked you to decide at the beginning of this message. But can I be honest with some of you this morning? You need to hear this. That fear is not only affecting you. It's affecting your family. It's affecting people who rely on you. It's affecting your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's affecting because God has called you to be a certain person and live a certain type of way. And you know what? The goodness of God that is in all of this is so much bigger than you even realize. I was studying this whole snake on a stick thing, you know, and, and, and I came across this scripture. Have you ever read like the Bible and the U version and you read a scripture and there's like three little dots in the corner and you click it and it gives you like references to like maybe other scriptures that might line up with that? I did that. If you've never done it, try it. It worked out great for me. And what I found is, is that in John chapter three, can we put John chapter three up on the screen? Jesus makes reference to this snake. This is, this is hundreds of years later. And Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man, so must I, he's talking about himself, be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now, cool, but what does that even mean? Like, why would Jesus compare himself to a snake? I'm glad you asked. The snake in the wilderness that was being lifted up, represented the very fear that people had. The very fear. That, that, was the, that was a representation of my fear. Jesus then, then connects himself to that snake. And I was like, why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus? He's talking to Nicodemus in this story. What does that even have to do? It seems like it's so unfitting. So I started reading a little bit. And 
I came across this guy named Carl Yogi. And Carl Yogi talks about the life of Jesus and, and the passion story, which is the crucifixion. I really want you to lean in on this and, 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 and get this with me. The passion story, Jesus going up on the cross. And he says that that is the most traumatic tragedy that has ever existed as a story being told. This is the, the, the biggest tragedy. Because the way we interpret tragedy is we take a traumatic event that occurs to someone who we deemed worthy or not worthy of that event. Does that make sense? We take a traumatic event plus the person experiencing it, how worthy or unworthy. What I mean by that is if something bad happens to someone, right? But then you hear like, oh, they were a bad person. We're not like, oh, what a tragedy. They're like, well, they got what they had coming, right? Typically, how we process things. Now, if we say, oh man, something bad happened to someone and they're like, oh my gosh, they were a good person. They didn't deserve that. It's like, oh, what a tragedy. Now, we take the story of Jesus and the cross and we see Jesus is not only not a bad person, he's a good person. And not only is he a good person, he's a great person. He's the best person. He's actually a perfect person, the only one that's ever existed. So if there was anyone who didn't, shouldn't have ever experienced a traumatic event, it was this perfect person. However, this perfect person then has to experience the cross, which is crucifixion, which is the Romans' way of developing the most excruciating, painful way for a human being to die at that time. It was, it was designed for the worst of the worst criminals to experience the worst of the worst death. So now you have the most perfect person who's ever existed experiencing the worst way that anyone should ever be treated. Now, on top of that, this person has done nothing wrong. He ends up in this point by the betrayal of a best friend who's then presented to a people that he's there to save. The people that he's there to save say, you know what? Nah, we don't really want to save him. So let's go ahead and push him to this worst way to die that we can ever experience. And then they're like, okay, one last chance. Here's this really bad person who kind of deserves this. And here's this really good person who doesn't deserve it at all. And they say, mm, free the bad guy, send the good guy to the cross. Jesus hangs up there, dies as he suffocates on his own blood and it's this excruciating kind of gory thing that a lot of times we don't like to talk about but Carl Yogi says this is the most traumatic tragedy that's ever existed he says that the cross these are his words not mine are the sum total of all fears translation there's not a fear that you can experience that you don't see when you look at that every fear that you have was ended in that moment. And this is how good God's grace is, and it blew my mind. That God says, I don't want my people to have to live looking at snakes the rest of their life. So the Son of Man must be lifted up like the serpent. So now instead of me having to face my fears, I just have to look at Jesus. And we see crosses and images and all this stuff all the time. And how often do we recognize and realize and tell ourselves, if I just look at Jesus, it's a representation of every fear that I could ever have. And it's the reason that I can stand here today and say, fear not, because your fears are done and your fears are gone. It was all finished at the cross. 
This was more than just this moment. It was so intentional. And Jesus knew before this moment ever happened that the same way that the Israelites had to look at that snake is the way that you can now look at me. And he says, don't look at your fears. Don't pay them any attention. The step of faith that you need to take to overcome is not towards a fear. It's towards my love and my grace that was poured out for you on the cross of Calvary. It's so much bigger than yourself. It's so much bigger than just this moment or something we read about or something we talk about at Easter or something that we, we, we look forward to in the Christmas season. It was the sum total of all fears demolished so that you could be free. Do you know that it was because of this moment that now we can say who the sun sets free, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Why? Because everything that can ever hold you bound was ended in this moment. But yet we, we look at this and we just go about our day. We put down the thought of that and pick up everything that keeps us bound. And then we cry out to God, God, do something about this fear. And sometimes I feel like God's in heaven saying, I already did. Today, because of this moment, I want us to all stand together right now. And I want us to just cry out to God. Because I asked you in the beginning of this message to just think of that thing, that one thing or two things or whatever, that whenever you say, I'm, my fear is blank. And as you look at that image, I want you to see that thing dissolve. And Pastor Nate and the team are going to sing this song right now. And, and what this song says is that fear is not my future. You know what is your future? Jesus. Fear is not my future. He is. Fear is not my future. You are. And we're going to make that the declaration of our heart right now in this place. Fear is not my future. You are. Fear is not my future. You are. Fear is not my future. You are. And my prayer is that someone would just believe that in some sort of way, that they would be just ignorant enough and convinced enough to believe that Jesus Christ is enough on the cross, that you would just be willing to take that step of faith. It's not a serpent that you're walking to any longer. It's the cross of Calvary. And we can look at the cross and face our fear and know that Jesus handled all of that. And we can sing now. Come on, let's sing. That fear is not my future. You are. I, I sense right now that some of us are, are kind of picking it up a little bit, but some of us are a little hesitant. That's okay. It's not always easy to, to deal with these things or process these things or, or even come to grips with it. You know, sometimes I, I think right now in this moment, there's a few of you in here that, that for the first time you're recognizing, wow, that's a fear. I thought I was just rough around the edges because that's how I was raised. No, that's a fear. Fear is causing you to act that way. Fear causes that anger. Fear causes that drinking. Fear causes that addiction. I don't know what you're afraid of, but there's, there's things that you have altered and shifted your life. And it looks different and you talk different and you act different. And you've, you've, just, you've, you've made up your mind that this is just who I am. No, 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 no. That's who fear has made you to be. And you have an opportunity right now. For the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who, who desires to set you free, to just give it all to him. The Bible says you can cast all your burdens on him because he cares for you. It says that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He knew this moment would come. He knew this would be right here. And, and, and you know, Carl Yogi tells a story about the passion being a tragedy. And it's, it's a great concept that he has in his intellectual mind. But I disagree with him on a certain level. 
Because the reality is, is that the, the passion, the crucifixion, it wasn't a tragedy. Because if you continue reading, the Bible doesn't end with the death of Jesus. The story of Jesus doesn't end until he's resurrected. And he goes and he takes his position and sits at the right hand of the Father, alive and well after conquering death, hell, and the grave and every fear that you can ever have. So let me tell you this this morning. If Jesus' story doesn't end with death, then your story doesn't end with fear. And if there was more for him, then there's more for you. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I'm going to ask every head bowed and every eye closed. If we have prayer partners, can we just invite some of our prayer partners up to the front? And, and we're going to just, we're going to ramp up here. And so um, prayer partners, if we have any, I just feel the need. And if you just want freedom, if you just want someone to take hands and agree with you, we can, we can make adjustments and we have time. Don't worry about it. But we are going to just go to God. And just like in the Bible, in that first story that we read in Luke, it says that they were to fear not. And as soon as the fear went away, it said peace to all the people on earth. And so some people in here right now, you're saying goodbye to fear. But some other people in here, you're saying hello to joy, hello to peace, hello to love. And so we're going to open up the altars right now. And we're just going to ask, if you just want to worship, if you want prayer, whatever it is that you want, then we would just make time and space for you to interact with your God who loves you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget we want to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Promised Land San Marcos, on Instagram at PSM Church, or on our website, psmchurch.com. Thanks again for listening to the Promised Land at Home podcast.